0: Our desire is to lead people to salvation in Christ and encourage believers in their spiritual growth. Join us and build up your own Heritage of Faith. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Heritage of Faith Conversations radio program hosted by Pastor Matthew Recker. My name is Micah and I'm the ministry assistant at Heritage and tonight we continue our new series on the life of Joseph. If you would like to join in the conversation tonight or if you have any questions or would like to pray with someone, please give us a call. Our studio phone number is 929-333-3739. Pastor Matt, as part of your pastoral duties, you sometimes officiate
1: weddings. Can I ask you, what's your favorite part about doing a wedding? Well, there's actually two favorite parts, Micah. One is when I get to introduce the couple for the first time. That, yeah. is, that is my. Because I, I get the privilege, the first time that I can introduce and say the name of the husband and wife together. But my, the second favorite part of the wedding is when the groom comes on the Heritage of Faith Conversations uh-huh. program. So we have with us Brother Ian. Good to have you as I was so privileged to officiate your wedding.
2: Earlier this summer, July the second. So good to have you back with us. It's great to be here. Thank you for the officiating. You were fantastic, and Micah, Michael. Michael as well. Yeah, yeah,
1: we had a wonderful time with you and Claire, and continue to pray for you. And I'm, we're so glad that you you can be here as a completed man tonight. Amen, okay. Amen <laughs> yeah. to that. Okay, and we have with us as well in our studio panel for the first time. A young man who has grown up in our church, Caleb Lyons. So, Caleb, great to have you with us, and and uh, just tell the listeners a little bit about yourself.
3: Hi, thank you for having me tonight. Um, I'm a college student right now, a junior in uh, college studying architecture. Been attending Heritage for 21 years.
1: Wow, that's great. And and how do you mm-hmm. like the st- the studies of architecture? How's that going?
3: It's going amazing.
1: Yeah, you're are you a junior already. Whoa, man, you're, go- you're going into your junior year. Well, congratulations on that. And and I, w- I took an architectural class when I went to Clemson, and I-, I enjoyed it because it really improved my penmanship. Definitely. Because you have to do a lot. Do you still write with your hands, or is it all computerized now?
3: Majority of it's computerized, but yeah. yeah.
1: But you still have to get that. Yeah, that yeah. was in the beginning. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's that's the basics of it. Pastor, yeah. I love that
0: he said he's been attending Heritage for 21 years because he's 21 years old. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so
4: well, since birth.
1: he's <laughs> been attending since he was in his mother's womb, that's for sure. Because I actually marriage counseled his parents. That's odd. Awesome. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, 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 so uh, we're, we just love your family, uh, Caleb and you and and your twin sister, Chara, as well as your younger sister, Charisse, whose birthday is today, she was telling everybody, I'm nine years old, right? (laughs) So, happy birthday, Charisse. Are you listening to your brother tonight? I think she's listening. So, happy birthday to Charisse and your other brother, JJ, or Joshua. So, wonderful family. We're so glad, Caleb. Thanks for being with us tonight. So, we're going to continue our study in the life of Joseph this evening. And last week, Michael, we only read, I think, four verses To get the study going. And tonight we're going to read... A lot more than that. Yeah, from (laughs) verse 5 all the way to the end of the chapter. So we've got a lot of work to do here tonight. And what we want to see tonight is Joseph's perilous mission. Mm -hmm. As Joseph's father, Jacob, sends him on this mission to find his brothers. And, of course, he ends up being cast into a pit. Mm -hmm. And then his murder is fabricated by his brothers, you know. Mm -hmm. And then... Uh, Jacob finds out and is in grief and thinks Joseph is dead. And it's a well known story, powerful story, but we want to see in the story as well m- a miraculous parallels between Joseph and Jesus. Yeah. And Jesus, Jesus had a perilous mission to earth as mm-hmm. well. So we're going to look at Joseph's perilous mission, and I'll begin the reading in Genesis chapter 37, verse 5. And Joseph dreamed a dream. And he told it his brethren, and they hated him yet the more. And he said unto them, Here I pray you this dream which I have dreamed. For behold, we were binding sheaves in the field, and lo, my sheaf arose, and also stood upright. And behold, your sheaves stood round about, and made obeisance to my sheaf. And his brethren said to him, Shalt thou indeed reign over us? Or shalt thou indeed have dominion over us? And they hated him yet the more for his dreams and for his words. And he dreamed yet another dream, and told it his brethren, and said, Behold, I have dreamed a dream more. And behold, the sun and the moon and the eleven stars made obeisance to me. And he told it to his father and to his brethren. And his father rebuked him, and said unto him, What is this dream that thou hast dreamed? Shall I and thy mother and thy brethren indeed come to bow down ourselves to thee and the earth? And his brethren envied him But his father observed the
3: saying. And his brethren went to feed their father's flock in Shechem. And Israel said unto Joseph, Do not thy brethren feed the flock in Shechem? Come, and I will send thee unto them. And he said to him, Here am I. And he said to him, Go, I pray thee, see whether it be well with thy brethren, and well with the flocks, and bring me word again. So he sent him out of the vale of Hebron, and he came to Shechem. And a certain man found him, and behold, he was wandering in the field and the man asked him saying what seekest thou and he said i seek my brethren tell me i pray thee where they feed their flocks and the man said they are departed hence for i heard them say let us go to dalton and joseph went after his brethren and found them in dalton and when they saw him afar off even before he came near unto them they conspired against him to slay him and they said one to another behold this dreamer cometh
2: Come now, therefore, and let us slay him, and cast him into some pit. And we will say, Some evil beast hath devoured him, and we shall see what will become of his dreams. And Reuben heard it, and he delivered him out of their hands, and said, Let us not kill him. And Reuben said unto them, Shed no blood, but cast him into this pit that is in the wilderness, and lay no hand upon him that he might rid him out of their hands to deliver him to his father again. And it came to pass when Joseph was come unto his brethren that they stripped Joseph Joseph out of his coat, his coat of many colors that was on him. And they took him and cast him into a pit. And the pit was empty. There was no water in it. And they sat down to eat bread and they lifted up their eyes and looked. And behold, a company of Ishmaelites came from Gilead with their camels bearing uh, Cyprian balm and myrrh, going to carry it down to Egypt. And Judah said unto his brethren, What profit is it if we slay our brother and conceal his blood? Come, and let us sell him to the Ishmaelites, and let not our hand be upon him, for he is our bro- is our brother and our flesh, and his brethren were content."
0: Then there were passed by Midianites, merchantmen, and they drew and lifted up Joseph out of the pit and sold Joseph to the Ishmaelites for twenty pieces of silver, and they brought Joseph into Egypt. And Reuben returned unto the pit, and behold, Joseph was not in the pit, and he rent his clothes. And he returned unto his brethren and said, This child is not, and I, whither shall I go? And they took Joseph's coat and killed a kid of goats and dipped the coat in the blood. And they sent the coat of many colors, and they brought it to their father and said, This have we found. Know now whether it be thy son's coat or no. And he knew it and said, It is my son's coat. An evil beast hath devoured him. Joseph is without doubt rent in pieces. And Jacob rent his clothes and put sackcloth upon his loins and mourned for his son many days. And all his sons and all his daughters rose up to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted. And he said, For I will go down into the grave unto my son mourning. Thus his father wept for him. And the Midianites sold him into Egypt unto
1: Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh's, and captain of the guard. Amen. Okay, well let's pray tonight as we begin. Lord, thank you that we can have another program and talk about your precious word, your powerful word, your miraculous word, even Mm -hmm. tonight. As we look at Joseph's perilous mission and see in his mission amazing parallels between joseph's mission and your mission lord jesus to come to earth to save us so bless our conversation tonight with caleb and ian and micah and with our listeners as well and we praise you and thank you in jesus name amen amen, amen. our phone lines are open if anyone wants to join our conversation the phone number is 929-333-3739 so micah yep. the story of joseph can be told In light of his coats. Right. And, of course, his coat plays prominently in this story. Mm. And we call this the coat of a special son. And it's prominent here. But then, of course, he's going to become a slave in Egypt. So yeah. he has the coat of a slave. Mm-hmm. And then he's brought out of slavery and he's put in prisoner yeah. as a prisoner. And he wears another coat. He's the coat of a prisoner. Yeah. And then he comes out of the prison and actually the scripture does say he, put, he gets a new change of raiment mm. and it's the coat of a seer. Yeah. If you will, he's, he's now going to interpret the dreams back then, uh, at, that, at that moment. That's in chapter 41. And then he takes on the coat of a sovereign. Yeah. So that's amazing. The, the coats of Joseph, the yeah. five coats of Joseph really tell the story but tonight we really want to focus in on his mission and as we see this it reminds me really the the abuse and the culture the family culture of abuse that Joseph lived in Mm -hmm. really reminds me a lot of the abuse in our own culture yeah Joseph had every right to even be bitter, mm-hmm. but as a victim of abuse, he never allowed that bitterness yeah. to destroy him mm-hmm. and that 's a great example for any victim of abuse but joseph 's family was certainly full of dysfunction and he 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 endured first verbal abuse mm-hmm. and then emotional abuse from his brothers and all their hatred, but then it escalated to physical abuse, mm-hmm. and that 's often what abuse What happens with abuse is it escalates from emotional Mm -hmm. and to verbal and then to physical abuse. And then he was thrown in the pits, thrown into slavery. So I was just looking up a little bit about abuse in our culture, and I read that one in three women suffer abuse. One in four men experience some sort of violence or abuse. Eighty-five percent of domestic violence victims are women, and most cases are never even reported to the police. So abuse is a huge problem mm-hmm. in our culture. And, you know, having a young man, having Caleb here with us tonight and growing up here in the city, lived all your days here in the city. Caleb, I'm sure you've seen some things. Ian, I'm sure you've experienced some things and, and even Micah. So why don't we just talk about this for a moment and give some personal experience out of our, uh, uh, out of our own situation that reminds us of what Joseph went through.
3: Caleb? Caleb? I would say going from home school into public school and then experiencing many years of the public school system myself, I've sadly seen different forms of bullying that exist inside and outside of the classroom. Hmm. Examples would be cyberbullying in the forms of social media. It is sadly a result of our extremely worldly culture, the animosity and hatred that is portrayed in our everyday lifestyles. Mm -hmm. Children at a young age are easily susceptible to such behavior because of the environments that this world generates for them.
1: Yeah, so you've seen cyberbullying. As well, like what what kind of cyberbullying have you seen?
3: If I'm going on social media, I would say um, like just deliberate hate on people's pages. Uh Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah. And that's where it began, even with Joseph, where his brothers, it says they could not speak peaceably. Mm -hmm. And so, in, in other words, people will write on people's social media page that they really don't like, that they hate even, and they'll express that? Yes. Oh, wow. Yeah, that and and that and then you see those same people in school, potentially. Yes. Yeah. Oh wow, that, and that that could create a lot of tension there. Definitely. And a, and a lot of fear as well, and you don't know what
2: they're going to do to you.
3: You never know. Yeah. Yeah. Mm.
2: Wow. Ian. Sure, I would like to take a step back and look at it in a more cultural perspective. Um, I think more and more these days we see abuse to those who are proponents of free speech. Hmm. You know, just a week and a half ago, someone rushed a stage and attacked Solomon Rushdie um, to a a point where he almost died, Mm -hmm. you know, just because of the words that he said. It says that Joseph was hated for the words that he spoke. Hmm. And in the same way, people who stand for just about anything these days um, in the public are canceled mm-hmm. or shut down or even attacked mm-hmm. on a stage yeah. in America? Unbelievable! Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, it's it's um, it's kind of a paradoxical effect I think that we could see in this though because Joseph they tried to cancel him and we saw we see the end yeah. of that. He's, they definitely did not
1: like his dreams as we'll see in just a few moments. Right? right. They wanted to cancel him for that. Exactly. Wow, well, that's an interesting parallel you brought up with mm-hmm. the Salman Rushdie. I mean, just he was he wasn't hurting anyone. I don't agree with his, I don't even know what he was talking about, but I'm sure I don't agree with his faith, but he has the freedom to speak and should be heard. And and if you don't want to hear him, leave, you know. Exactly.
4: (laughs) Unbelievable.
1: Yeah. Micah? Yeah.
0: You know, I've said for many years that we're all five years old. And what I mean by that is that to some extent, we're all products of the things that happened to us when we were very young. So I know someone, for instance, who has a real difficulty growing attached to people. And it's at least partially because during his childhood, there were times when his single mom would drop him off to live with a distant relative and he wouldn't know when or whether she was coming back. So as a precaution, he avoids growing attached to people. And I used to have another friend whose identity was completely wrapped up in her attractiveness to men. You know, everything she did centered on the way that she looked. And after years of knowing her, she finally admitted to me that she had been sexually abused as a young girl and she had never come to terms with that. And the list goes on. So some people will live their whole adult lives in a dysfunctional way because of the things that happened to them when they were children. And that is why... A true identity in Christ is so important, Pastor. You talked yes, about all the yes. different coats of Joseph. He had the coat of a favored son, the coat of a slave, the coat of a prisoner. You know, but he kept his identity in God, his Father, right. as the main identity. So no matter what coat of identity he was wearing, he identified with God,
1: and he believed God could turn it out for good yeah. in the in the end. Mm-hmm. Well, dear listener, maybe you've endured cyberbullying, like Caleb t- talked about. Maybe you've endured some kind of violence. Uh, in in abuse as Ian referenced, or maybe you were abused as a child in some kind of way and you still struggle with that in your own heart and you're seeking your identity in in other things other than Christ. We're here to help you. We have beautiful counselors who can pray with you and for you tonight. So call us right now at 929-333-3739. Maybe you've endured abuse or maybe you know someone who has experienced abuse. Maybe... You know, and and just kind of like Joseph, where he was in a very volatile powder powder keg of a situation, yeah, mm-hmm. right? But where was he going to go? Yeah. He was kind of trapped in this culture of abuse. Yeah. And many times, people can feel trapped yeah. if they're a child, they're mm-hmm. trapped, yeah, or maybe sure. they're a, they're a woman. And they're maybe at home with the kids. They don't have a job and their husband's abusing them. And they're, they, where are they going to go? Yeah. They don't have money and, mm-hmm. and they don't know how they can get out of that situation. Mm-hmm. So maybe you feel trapped or maybe you know someone who feels trapped. Call us right now at 929-333-3739. We'd love to pray with you tonight. If you are a victim or have experienced abuse, 929-333-3739. And we're also, Micah, we also have some booklets left over that we offered a few weeks ago entitled Biblical Answers to Racism. And if you would like a free booklet, we will mail it to you. You can call us tonight as well. We have about eight left. I think we have eight left. So the first eight.
0: Yeah, and you know, I got uh, some information from a uh, listener this week, and they said that they loved it. They said they were going to read it a second time so they could really get yeah. it ingrained because they felt like it was so relevant to conversations that they've had and right. conversations that they're probably going to have. So yep. she found it really helpful this one. It, it, it. is
1: very helpful because people want to know where do all the different races come from and things like that, and yeah. so it it explains it from a biblical perspective. You can call us at 929 333 so let's talk about Joseph's mission as his father sends him to find his brothers. He could not have imagined the journey that is going to come upon him. So we're going to look at his mission as in four ways. First of all, before his mission, and then the beginning of the mission, and then the culmination of it, and finally the aftermath of his mission to go to his brother. So before his mission, we see he tells forth these dynamic dreams, and there's two of them. And his brothers, of course, saw in Joseph such pride, and Mm -hmm. they hated him Mm -hmm. for his every word. So, Caleb, why don't we just talk for a moment about the first dream of Joseph, and what does it foretell in Genesis chapter 37, verses 5 through 8?
3: I say the first dream speaks about him and his brothers binding sheaves in a field, and Joseph's sheaves stood up. And his brothers' sheaves circle around him, and then theirs was lower than his. Mm -hmm. It is of a field of wheat and grain. It predicts that Joseph will have power over the resources of the world, and through this, his brothers will bow to him. It prophesies the coming famine and that he will have the wisdom to gather the world's resources to save that royal region of the world from the famine. It foretells that Joseph's brothers will reverence and bow to Joseph, which they did. We first see the fulfillment of this dream in Genesis 42, verse 6. Hmm. Let me read that for you.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
3: And Joseph was the governor over the land, and he it was that sold to all the people of the land. And Joseph's brethren came and bowed down themselves before him with their faces to the earth.
1: Yeah, that's amazing. Isn't that incredible that he has this dream? Yeah. And the dream specifically points yeah. to the area where Joseph will have dominance. Mm-hmm. Yeah and I think you know the
0: content of Joseph's dream it's incredibly interesting especially in light of the rest of the story as Caleb read that verse where the dream is fulfilled so specifically but I also think the context of the dream is important, too, because Joseph's dream is only the second dream mentioned in the Bible. The first dream was that of Joseph's father, Jacob, back in Bethel when he was on the run from Esau after stealing his blessing. Let me just read Genesis 28:12 and part of 13. It says, And he, Jacob, dreamed, and behold, a ladder set up on earth, and the top of it reached to heaven, and behold, the angels of God ascending and descending on it, and behold... The Lord stood above it. And I mention this because the context of Joseph's dream was that he was living in a family where they knew the importance of dreams. So Jacob had surely shared hmm. the story about his dream with all of his 12 sons. And by this point, it had become family legend. Now, one of his sons has begun dreaming, so
1: they knew this was important. And also, so the Joseph story kind of begins with dreams and it will be because of dreams that he is elevated ultimately to becoming prime minister in in Egypt. So the second dream, Ian, that Joseph has, let's talk about the significance of that, and what does that foretell? And now these are in this dream is in Genesis thirty-seven nine through eleven.
2: So the significance of the second dream is that Joseph will be ruler someday. Mm-hmm. Um, the sun and the moon represent his parents who bow down to Joseph along with the eleven stars, his siblings. Um, And the only time parents would bow down to a child Mm. in this situation would be if he were in a ruling position. Mm -hmm. Uh, So the dream is basically a premonition for things to come for Joseph and his future status in society. I think there's also an interesting illustration here with the sun, moon, stars. We can see in Revelation 12, verse 1, the same imagery of sun, moon, and stars. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: and, and, you know, we talked pre-program a little bit about this, Ian, and, and it is interesting. Joseph was really going out on a limb to tell his brothers this dream yeah. in, in a way, right? Because they hated him more, it says, even more than they hated him before after his first dream. So for him to tell the second dream is either great courage or... Or some would say a lack of wisdom, mm-hmm. you know, and I mm-hmm. think there could be different ideas of that. What, what do you think?
2: I think that it's a lack of wisdom, personally. you okay. okay. you know, um, have <laughs> been doing the sermon series in Proverbs. Yeah. We, yeah. You know, we all know wisdom is the skillful application of the knowledge of God. Mm-hmm. Good and, job! <laughs> <laughs> You're listening. And uh, I just don't see that here. If, yeah. if you see hatred brewing from a, a first dream... You would think maybe I hold back a little bit when it comes to a second (laughs) dream. But but Micah, do you think he could hold back? What do you think? You know, I don't think
1: think there's different ways to look at this. I
0: think that we've all had dreams and we've all even felt maybe felt like we had significant dreams. But this was a dream that Joseph knew was from God. So he woke up. He's the 17 Mm. year old kid and he just couldn't keep it to himself. You know, so despite the consequences and maybe some of the hatred was somewhat hidden um, you know maybe his brother 's reaction wasn 't known to him completely, you know maybe he was an optimist, but I think that he couldn 't hold it to himself
1: yeah but and i 'm personally i think we 're all personally glad that joseph 's dreams yeah. are in the text mm-hmm. for us to see because they even point to the future mm-hmm. in the book mm-hmm. of revelation, yeah. Well, I was just going to say between Joseph's first dream and his second dream, he
0: leaps from the grain field to the galaxy where even the heavenly bodies are bowing down to him. And Joseph later says to the king of Egypt, who also had two dreams, he said the two dreams are one. So Joseph's two dreams, they're actually one message from God. And the second dream gives additional insight to the first. So where the first dream focused on Joseph's brothers bowing down to him, When their grain crops fail, the second dream speaks of Joseph rising to the highest heights of power and authority over all people in the world, including his parents.
1: Yeah. And how did Jacob respond to Joseph's dream there, Micah?
0: You know, I I find it interesting that Jacob's reaction was, um, you know, first of all, Jacob knew he was a dreamer, too. So he knew this was important. So but outwardly, he rebukes Joseph for what he perceives as Joseph's disrespect for his parents. But then inwardly, verse 11 says, But his father observed the saying. So in other words, Jacob continued to ponder Joseph's dream over the course of time. And the reason I love this little detail of the story is because it's another instance of a parallel with Jesus. So remember in Luke chapter 2, when 12 year old Jesus gets left behind by his family in Jerusalem, And when his parents finally find him in the temple, they're amazed uh, because he's astonishing the doctors with his answers and his understanding. But at first, Mary seems to rebuke Jesus for his perceived disrespect, saying, Son, why hast thou thus dealt with us? Behold, thy father and I have sought thee sorrowing. But then in Luke 2.51,
1: it says, But his mother kept all these sayings in her heart. Yeah. And why did they hate Joseph so much? From these dreams, and also even before that, because of the special coat that he had. Yeah. From these dreams, they ha- they had to assume that Joseph was saying, "Through me, the Messiah will come," uh-huh. and they were very jealous of Joseph for that because he was other than he was the next to youngest other yeah. than Benjamin, mm-hmm. and and so they hated him because I believe that they saw Joseph as almost preaching that he was the one through whom the, the messianic seed would go. Yeah. But they were wrong. Joseph was not mm-hmm. preaching or proclaiming that. Yeah. And in fact, what's the the, the and I, I mentioned this point last week and I'm going to continue to make this point because the overall purpose of the Joseph story is we're going to find out through this story who the Messiah will go through. And it's not going to be through Joseph. Mm-hmm. It will be though through the one who treats Joseph with the greatest respect and kindness because he is like a messianic type of figure. Yeah. But the Messiah is not going to come through him, mm-hmm. but the brothers, the the brother that treats him with the greatest reverence, it will be him through whom the Messiah will come. So it's an amazing twist of the story. Yeah, but at this point in the
0: story, none of the brothers like him. You know, verse 4 says his brothers hated him. Verse 5 says they hated him yet the more. Verse 8 says they hated him yet the more for his dreams. Mm -hmm. And then verse 11 says they envied him. So with all of this hatred and envy, Pastor, you describe it like a powder keg,
1: something terrible was bound to happen. Yeah, yeah. And so, and we could say definitely as well, Caleb, that, joseph's dreams were prophetic right um he's going to be able to control the grain of the world and through that enrich egypt as well as feed the the people of the world and and feed his his father and his family right through the grain and he's gonna become a dominant ruler in the world there's a prophetic aspect to his incredible and amazing truthful dreams so how do joseph's Prophetic dreams, however, almost remind us of how Jesus prophesied as well of the future. Yeah. And there's, there's a parallel there. And Jesus was hated as well for his prophecies as Joseph was hated for his prophecies. So how do Joseph's prophetic dreams remind us of Jesus' prophetic statements?
3: I'll simply say this. Two of the more striking parallels between Joseph's prophetic dreams and Jesus' prophetic statements would be in Joseph's second dream where he prophesied to have the power over the rulers of the world. And I see this parallel to when Jesus states that he will be king of the coming kingdom. We can also see this in John 18:37, where it states, Pilate therefore said unto him, Art thou a king then? Jesus answered, Thou sayest that I am a king. To this end was I born, and for this cause came I into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. The second parallel that I noticed was that Joseph's brothers were infuriated at him. Mm-hmm. And the parallel would be that the Jewish people hated Jesus, mm. just as Jesus quoted Scripture in Matthew twenty-one forty-two, which prophesied that he would be the stone which the builders rejected.
1: Mm. Mm. Yeah, and when Jesus pr- prophesied who he was as well, like in John chapter 8, when he said, I am the light of the world, and that whole amazing discourse there. And he said, before Abraham was, I am. They took up stones to throw at him. They, they could not stand Jesus. They could not speak peaceably mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. Jesus, mm-hmm. similarly to Joseph's brothers. Yeah, and Pastor,
0: another reason that we know Joseph's dreams point to Jesus is that symbolic imagery of the sun, moon, and stars. It continues into the book of Revelation, the revelation of Jesus Christ. And Ian mentioned that earlier. So I'll just read Revelation 12. Verses 1 and 2, it says, And there appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet, and upon her head a crown of twelve stars. And she, being with child, cried, travailing in birth, and pain to be delivered. Mm. So that child, the seed who would come out of the Jewish people, was Jesus, the Messiah. And the vision goes on to say that the great red dragon stands before the woman as she is ready to be delivered so that he can devour the child. But the dragon fails verse 5 says and she brought forth a man child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron and her child was caught up unto God and to his throne And so we just we see these parallels with you know Joseph who eventually
1: also is exalted and sits on the throne in Egypt yeah and dear friends we're talking tonight about Joseph where we mentioned some of the abuse that he endured at the hands of his brothers and we're going to continue to speak about that but we also ask you to to call us and let us pray with you. Maybe you or someone you know is a victim of abuse and we'd like to comfort you with God's word, pray with you and ask the Lord to give you strength and give you the wisdom of Joseph Mm. uh, to to see that God could still use the most terrible things that man would do to you and turn it down for good. Romans chapter 8 verse 28. So we've looked at before his mission and the prophetic dreams that tell of his future. Now let's kind of move forward from verses into verses 12 through 17. And we see the beginning of his mission here. And we see it. his father commission him to go find his brothers. And I just read these this verse, for example, and I just mm-hmm. see again. I see... Jesus here, and I I, I think as well of Isaiah, Mm. the prophet, Mm -hmm. in Genesis chapter 37 and verse 13, where Israel, or Jacob, said to Joseph, Come, and I will send thee unto them. And he, that is Joseph, said to him, Here am I. So that is so significant and beautiful. What's the significance of this, Ian, that you see Of Jacob sending Joseph off to find his brothers
2: boy there was a lot to unpack here so I think there's a lot of significance in again the stark parallel we see between Joseph and Jesus here Um, here we see Joseph just like Jesus answer God's call let's look into some symbolism Um, Hebron means fellowship with God while Shechem means danger previously we noted Hmm. that uh jacob's son simeon and levi massacred the men in shechem Mm. so symbolically joseph's father is sending him from a safe place a place of fellowship into a dangerous place a place of demise Hmm. um so here am i as you mentioned pastor is also a reminder of how Jesus was in a, in a sort of heavenly Hebron with the Father. Yes. And yeah. he accepts his assignment to earth. Um, so the Father proverbially is saying you know, to, to Jesus, come, I must send you to earth, and to which he proverbially responds, here am I. Um, the last thing I noted about this section was a verse in John chapter 1, verse 11. It says, Jesus came unto his own, and his own received him not. And the same can be said about Joseph. Joseph went onto his own, his brothers, and and they received him not. Yeah,
1: Amen. And in a way, as well, uh, Micah, how mm-hmm. Joseph is is sent into a city that was known for this massacre. Yeah. And when Jesus was born, he was also born. In a city that would become a place of massacre the mm-hmm. the other infants yeah. mm-hmm. would be massacred by King Herod yeah. when he was he was of course trying to kill Jesus so yeah. so you know I, I saw that parallel as well so mm-hmm. what other parallels do you see how Joseph's mission remind you and and that was a great answer Ian, I don't know how much you could say <laughs> after what he had just unpacked for us in a, in a wonderful way there but how does Joseph's mission remind you as well of Jesus's mission Well, you know, Joseph wasn't the first one sent to Shechem on a dangerous
0: mission, and he he wouldn't be the last. So back in Genesis chapter 12, when God calls Abraham out of his country and sends him to Israel, the first place he comes to is Shechem, where the Canaanites dwell. And the Canaanites were, of course, the violent idol worshippers. And Abraham, you know, he was just a vulnerable stranger. But it was there at Shechem that God appeared to Abraham and promises to give the land to his descendants. Mm. After that appearance, Abraham builds his very first altar there at Shechem. And then about 2,000 years later, Jesus, he also comes to Shechem on a dangerous mission from God, his father, as we said. But he actually came to that exact city. Uh, John 4, verse 5 says, Then cometh he into a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, sychar, and that's another word for Shechem, near the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. So Jesus, like Joseph, was on a mission to check on the well-being of his brothers and their sheep. And unfortunately, in both cases, the brothers were not well, and they were living in rebellion. John 1, verse 11 says about Jesus, He came unto his own,
1: and his own received him not. Amen. Dear friends, I think of that song that says, out of the ivory palaces Mm -hmm. into a world of woe. Jesus came to die on the cross Mm -hmm. for us. He left that heavenly Hebron, that place of perfect fellowship with his Father, to come to the dangerous place we call earth. He took our sins and died on the cross. He loves Mm -hmm. you so. Dear friends, maybe you just need to call upon Jesus tonight. We're talking about him, even in the book of Revelation. You know, the, even in the book of Genesis, you know, the, the Bible's so miraculous. Mm. Here we're talking about Joseph in Genesis 37, and we see Jesus yeah. because his name is the Word of God. Yeah. Dear friends, do you know Jesus as your Savior? Can we pray for you? Do you have doubts about your salvation? Call us right now 929 333 3739. Give us a call. We're also offering free booklets on the biblical answer to racism, you can call us and we will send you this book absolutely free. We'll pay the postage, everything. There's no there's no strings <laughs> attached to this, right? Yeah. There's no trick there's no trick to this. <laughs> right. No. No. Trick. We just no want trick. to send you this booklet. It'll really help you yeah. in answering this important question in our day and age. Give us a call right now, 929-333-3739, if we could pray for you. Maybe you've been a victim of abuse. Maybe you'd like the free book on biblical answer to racism. Maybe we could just pray that God would give you courage. Maybe you're in a dangerous place, and maybe your workplace is like Shechem, a place of danger, and you've got to go into a place of danger every day, and you're fearful about it. We'd love to pray for you. We're here live, right? Yeah. One of the reasons we're here live is so we could say... Take your phone calls. Yeah, that's right. So give us a call, 929-333-3739.
0: Pastor, can I just mention one other cool detail about Shechem? When we get to the end of the Joseph story, before he dies... Joseph makes his people promise to bring his bones back with them from Egypt to the promised land. And a few hundred years later, they do. You know, Moses and the people carry his bones back. Guess where? To Shechem. They bury them in
1: Shechem. And I've se- I've seen pictures of that online. Yeah. You can see uh, pictures of Joseph's tomb in Shechem.
0: Yeah, so yeah. it's the it's the place where his father sent him and the place where promises were made to his great-great-grandfather Abraham. Mm. And the tomb of Joseph is still there in the city. Um, it's now called Nablus. Um, and it's just interesting to think that is the town where Jesus, Jesus met
1: that woman at the well in John chapter 4. Yes, that is amazing. That is amazing. Okay, so we've looked at before Joseph's mission and his dreams foretelling his future. We've seen beginning his mission as he has a definite commission from his father. And Joseph says, here am I. Send me. Now let's look, culminating the mission as his brothers have this diabolical conspiracy to... Kill Joseph, some of them. Others maybe want to save him. But, Caleb, how do Joseph's brothers feel now toward him as they see Joseph's, Joseph approaching? Now, think about this. Think if you haven't seen your brother for a few weeks, you know. and he, Or, you know, let's just say you're living in some city and your brother's going to come and he knocks on your door. Yeah. And you open up the door. You'd say, yes, my brother, you yeah, know. Yeah. Wouldn't you be happy to see your long-lost brother? I don't think so. Not they didn't think that way of Joseph, did they, Caleb? So what did they do to Joseph uh, when Joseph finally does find them?
3: Well, just as you said, one would think they would be happy and surprised that Joseph made such a dangerous journey yeah. mm-hmm. to find them. Yeah. Instead, they were consumed by deep hatred for Joseph and a feeling of treachery encircling the brothers. They could not speak or say any word of kindness or peace toward him. They envied him, and even before he came to them, they were conspiring to kill him. Yet Reuben tried to spare Joseph's life. They stripped his coat off him, cast him into a wardless pit, and ate their meal while Joseph suffered. Through Reuben, they offered a half-hearted compromise and sold him for 20 pieces of silver, which is the price of a handicapped slave. That's mm-hmm. about two pieces of, for each
0: brother. That's only two pieces per brother. Wow.
1: That's not that, That's a small price right. for a guilty soul, right? Yeah. For a guilty conscience. Yeah. Uh, one
0: thing I noticed in this passage is that when the brother's actions toward Joseph, you know, they not only sin against him... They're also in rebellion against their father, and more importantly, in rebellion against God. I say that because when Joseph's brothers see him from afar off, they call him this dreamer, disdainfully to one another. But deep down, they know that it was God who had given Joseph the dreams. Remember, they, they had heard the stories about his father. So by plotting his murder, they think they can thwart God's plan. And they say in verse 20, And we shall see what will become of his dreams. Then in their gross acts of violence which followed, the brothers stripped Joseph of his coat, as Caleb said, And they're robbing him of his identity as that favored son. In in the brother's eyes, Joseph's identity is replaced, and he then becomes a slave.
4: Hmm.
1: Amazing thing. Such hatred existing even in a family where his brothers could not speak peaceably to him. They mock him. Mm -hmm. Oh, this dreamer cometh. They conspire now. Let us slay him, some of them said. Maybe you're in a situation like that, dear friend. Maybe there are people who are seeking, plotting to hurt you. Mm. Maybe you're living in a work environment or a school environment. Caleb, you earlier talked about cyberbullying. Maybe you've been a victim of some kind of abuse in your family or online. And it's really weighing on your spirit. Mm. It's grieving your soul. It's... It's, it's just causing a lot of fear of movement in your life. Mm-hmm. We'd like to pray for you right now at 929-333-3739. Call us now.
0: Yeah, just going back to, Caleb, what you were saying about the cyberbullying, I mean, you're 21 years old. I think the rest of us, we didn't really have social media when we were in middle school, you know, and it's a lot, you know, we do, we all know that it's a lot easier to say something nasty about somebody online than it is to say it in front of their face. So I can just imagine being in middle school and having somebody sitting behind a computer or on a phone just feeling the comfort of saying something nasty online and then what that does to a person and you know we've all heard stories about people who then commit suicide because they're being totally bullied online so i think you know if there are young people out there listening tonight and they've dealt with any of this stuff um you know if you need prayer if you need counsel if you need somebody just to even listen to your story give us a call it's 929
1: 333 yeah and, and this reminds us as well that and the Bible speaks a lot about jealousy mm-hmm. and envy yeah. and hatred. Mm-hmm. And these things are real yeah. in life. They're real in human relationships. And they can develop and they can create great harm to people. Mm-hmm. And so this is the reality of this life that we're living in. And, and praise God, though. He will be with you. He will strengthen you. He will comfort you. And he can deliver you, dear friends, as he does Joseph. So, Ian... This story again points us so clearly to Jesus in the conspiratorial plot of the brothers against Joseph. So how does it how does this conspiracy remind us of how Jesus was treated by those he came
2: to save? Again, a miraculous comparison between the life of Joseph and, mm-hmm. and Jesus. Yeah. If we just look at the lives respectively and create a chart to pe- their peaks and valleys, yeah. a noticeable comparison could be made. Uh-huh. The graph would start with a great foreshadowing and prophecy, followed by an answering of the call, a buildup of hatred from onlookers, followed by suffering, but ultimately end with victory and exaltation. Mm. Um, a quote from so one of uh, a good commentary that I read on this section is that God's providence often seemed to contradict His purposes. Mm. So who would have thought that yeah. <laughs> God for God to save the world he'd have to send his only son mm. to to die on the cross for our sins mm-hmm. and similarly, who would have thought that in order for Joseph to one day end up a ruler he mm-hmm. would end, he would have to be in a pit without food or water mm. you know yeah. so God's providence ostensibly contradicts his purposes but they never do yeah that that's exactly true
1: I mean the way to the the throne, for Joseph was through this pit, mm. just like for David, the way to his throne was through those dark caves. You know, being h- hunted by by Saul. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. let's let's do this. Oh yeah, Micah.
0: Oh, I was just gonna say. You know, for me, out of, out of this story, the one the highlight of those prophetic parallels is the silver. You know, the fact that Joseph mm-hmm. was sold mm-hmm. for twenty pieces of silver, and then Jesus, I believe, he was sold for thirty pieces of silver. But both were the price of a slave at that time. And so when you read through the Gospels and you get to the part where Judas is given the silver and it's 30 pieces of silver for betraying Jesus, uh, it's just an incredible parallel. And just one more I'll point out is, you know, because Joseph's brothers were told his dreams, deep down they should have known that God was going to exalt him But they were blinded with envy. And in the same way, I believe that in Jesus' day, the religious leaders, those ones who gave Judas the 30 pieces of silver, they had all the prophecies of the Old Testament, and they should have known that Jesus was the Messiah. And if they were in tune with the Heavenly Father, they would have known that, kind of like Nicodemus did. But just like Joseph's brothers, the scribes and the leaders
1: were blinded with envy. Yeah, They had envy against Joseph, and there was envy against Jesus. They sold Jesus for silver. They sold Joseph for silver. And I think this parallel is also amazing where it says that the brothers of Joseph sat down to eat bread. Yeah. As Joseph was suffering in a pit, and just as yeah. Jesus was on the cross, and it says, and sitting down, they watched him there. Mm. So we're preaching Christ here, dear friends, because he loved you. He loves you, and he so loved the world that he gave himself to die on the cross. We're going to go to a song, Okay. and while we go to the song, give us a call at 929-333-3739 if we could pray for you. And I know that God would touch your heart. As you hear this song, we preach Christ. Because he is the way, the truth and the life dear friends and he will save he came to seek and save that which was lost so we're talking about Joseph we looked at before his mission and then we saw beginning his mission as he was commissioned by his father and then we saw culminating his mission and that plot by his brothers to conspire against him throw him into a pit and then sell him into slavery and now we see after his mission and there's I call it a deceitful perpetuation of the scheme. Hmm. The brothers all stick together. Not one breaks rank to tell the lie that Joseph is dead. So, Micah, what do the brothers do to perpetuate their abuse Mm -hmm. of Joseph?
0: Yeah, well, once the brothers have committed the crime of selling Joseph into slavery, there's really no going back. So even when we see Reuben's immediate regret over the situation as he rends his clothes in grief, it says all the brothers know they have to band together and cover up their crime, and they actually come up with a pretty ingenious way to do it. They convince their father, Jacob, that Joseph was attacked by a wild beast, by Killing a young goat and dipping Joseph's coat into the blood. It's fascinating to me that they use this coat of many colors, you know, the item that symbolized his father's favor to prove his death. So Jacob, of course, believes that Joseph has been devoured by evil beasts, but he doesn't know that it's his own sons who are actually the beasts. And one last point on this is that in the end, the sin of Jacob's favoritism leads him to actually lose his favorite son. And this same thing happened to his mother, Rebecca, when she lost mm. Jacob. She had, yeah. Remember, she had orchestrated his deception with Isaac,
1: and after that he had to run away because Esau was going to kill him. Isn't that something? How they perpetuate this abuse of Joseph uh-huh. in such a cold-hearted fashion, yeah. even when they tell Joseph, and too bad uh, when they tell Jacob he couldn't do a DNA test. You know? <laughs> Well, if there was DNA testing they 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 would have I know they used can you imagine in these ancient times they yeah. used goats blood yeah. and passed it off as Joseph's blood mm-hmm. and there was really no way for Jacob to know yeah but that he would they would be easily found out right in, yeah. in, in, in our day and in, in our culture but even when they tell Jacob about this they said we 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 don't know whether it is thy son's coat Mm -hmm. or not. They pretend ignorance. Yeah. I mean, yeah. how cold-hearted. And they don't even say, "We don't know whether this is our brother's. We're we're so sorry. Your son. This is your son. We don't know whether it's your son's yeah. coat."
0: Yeah, not I mean, not Joseph, not our brother. That was yeah. a
1: lie in itself. Yeah. Of course they they stripped Joseph of that coat.
0: Yeah. And I think I mean even in the killing of the the young goat, you know, think about that. I haven't worked it all out necessarily, but there's parallel there. You know, it's like a young goat mm. would be the sacrifice that the Jewish people would have to make for their sin and so the brothers had sinned and yet they sacrifice, in a sense this young goat and the blood you know goes on the coat which is that that symbol of the favoritism
1: and Mm. and jacob is broken to the depth of his soul and yet and then all of his sons and his daughters rose up to comfort him now his daughter's Probably comfort him in truth, mm. but it says his sons they rose up to comfort him. Yeah, that's a cold comfort right mm. there. Right, yeah. I mean, Dad, let it go, let it go. Yeah, <laughs> to comfort him. Yeah, no, they're they're lying to him. Yeah, and I I just can't believe how these brothers stuck together too all those years. All those years. Yeah. All these years they will they will stick together until of course Joseph devises a plan for. For them to be exposed and to break them and expose them mm-hmm. so as we come up to the end of the program Caleb how does the lie of Joseph's brothers that perpetuates the notion that Joseph is dead this also reminds us of Jesus right because after Jesus died a lie was told to perpetuate uh, by the Jewish people that he wasn't alive mm-hmm. so well, how is this parallel uh Jacob uh, Caleb
3: I would say just as the lie that Joseph was dead was willingly perpetuated, so the lie that Jesus was not risen from the dead has been perpetuated by the Jewish yeah. people from the day of his death and resurrection until mm-hmm. now, in the modern day. Yeah, We have many people of this world who will choose to deny Jesus' existence and will promote their ideas against the truth of his word. We can see a simple parallel here between Matthew chapter 28, yeah. um, where, where we're talking about Jesus' um, the people, the people, disciples being told... Um, that the people were speaking about the disciples stealing away his body, yeah, and then that comes back to where Joseph was being um, believed that he was dead, but he really wasn 't dead mm-hmm.
1: yeah that's right. the lie was told Jesus yeah. is dead, yeah the lie was told Joseph is dead, but joseph wasn 't dead, and Jesus will never die, dear friends he 's alive, he is the resurrection and the life. Call upon him and know this. As the Lord was with Joseph, the Lord will also be with you, because he will not forsake his own. Good night, Micah. Ian, God bless you. Thank you for being here. Caleb, wonderful. Great to fellowship with you all tonight. Good night, Pastor. Okay, Good good night.
0: Thank you for tuning in to the Heritage of Faith Conversations radio program. To find out more about Heritage Baptist Church and our service times and locations, visit our website at hbcnyc.org. We stream multiple services online each week, including 11 a.m. Sunday mornings and 7.15 p.m. Wednesday nights. All are welcome, and you can find links to participate in our services on our website, hbcnyc.org. And join us again next Sunday at 6 p.m. for another Heritage of Faith conversation sponsored by Heritage Baptist Church. Until then, rejoice in the Lord.
3: Heritage Baptist Church sponsors the broadcast on WMCA.